welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am one of your wonderful hosts, Joe Monax, the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com, and I am so, so excited to be with you. It's a beautiful day wherever you're listening to this. It might be raining, it might be snowing, it might be freezing cold. If you're at the All-Star festivities in Chicago, goodness knows it's uh it's a whole new frozen world out there apparently. Uh, it's been a warm winter, but not this weekend in Chi-Town. Hope you're staying warm wherever you are and you're enjoying uh the 28 and 26 Memphis Grizzlies. How about that? I tell you what, I I saw them live and in person with my own two eyes in Washington on this past Sunday night. And they're for real, man. I, I got to tell you, I'm going to still keep my realistic perspective, but I, I got to be honest, the fan in me gets a little bit excited watching John Morant and company uh, do business right now in the National Basketball Association. Ways that you can get in touch with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow me at Joe Mullinax. You can follow our wonderful blog that we work at grizzlybearblues.com at SBN Grizzlies. And you can follow my co-host, who I'm going to bring in right now, uh, the associate editor of grizzlybearblues.com. He does a great job as our game day editor and coverage man as well. Mr. Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka. Uh, You were pretty excited after that Portland win. You tweeted out a tweet that I still don't understand with Stitch from Lilo and Stitch doing a dance to a song I've never heard of before. It was very popular, but it you continue to make me feel like I'm 33 going on 63, Parker. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm going to be completely honest with my methodology here. I just find different videos of stuff that I think is kind of hype. I bookmark it, and I just wait for a Grizzlies win or for something cool to happen. And then I just let it fly on the GBB account and watch all the retweets and likes soak in. You you did a good job with that. I got to give you credit. So uh, it takes all kinds of kinds. I have lots of young guys that and, and girls, folks that work for us over at GBB. So they keep me young, I guess. And, and at least that's how I try to explain it to myself and make myself feel better. Uh, we got a great show for you uh, this week leading into the All-Star Weekend festivities. We've got in the next segment, Connor Dunning of 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis does an amazing job being the producer for the Giannato and Jeffrey show. I've had a chance to be on that program a decent bit. And Connor, he is the first one who ever said that he part of the reason he does what he does is my work at GBB, which again makes me feel super old, but I take it as a compliment. I like Connor a lot. He does a great job. And uh, we're going to talk to him about the fits of the new pieces when they come back from the All-Star break. We're going to talk to him about the question of the day over at GBB on Twitter, at GBB Live, excuse me, on Twitter, talk to him about what he thinks wins and loss wise this team's going to be able to do if they stay healthy. Lots of good things coming with Connor and Parker in the second segment. But before we get to that, in our first segment, I'm excited to welcome back to the podcast one of the hardest working people over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, if you don't follow him at BC Abraham, you're doing this wrong. Okay. And I say that not just because he's a senior writer for us over at GBB, again, at SBN Grizzlies on Twitter. Uh, Not just because of that, he does an amazing job writing for us about the Grizzlies, but you will not find a single person in Memphis media, and I'm expanding that beyond just blogging, in Memphis media who covers the Memphis Hustle, the G League affiliate of the Memphis Grizzlies, as well as Mr. Brandon Abraham. He's an asset to GBB, and I'm excited to have him back on the show. Brandon, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great, Joe. Glad to be on for the first time this year. How are you? I'm doing well. And gentlemen, I'm going to lead off with with an overall conversation with both of you. And Brandon, I'll start with you. The, the news of today, we're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, the news of today, of course, the Grizzlies win in Washington and then they win against Portland to really go on a heater, so to speak, going into the All-Star break. But the news coming out of the Trailblazers game beyond the Grizzlies' victory was the injury to Damian Lillard. He pulled his groin, some sort of groin injury. He will not be playing in the game. Don't worry, Dame Dalla, the rapper, will still be performing at the All-Star game. Uh, But Damian Lillard, the basketball player, will not be participating. So that means there's an open spot on the All-Star roster, especially, I believe, Team LeBron. So lots of folks in Memphis were hopeful that it would be John Morant taking that spot. But in usual fashion, the next leading either vote getter by the coaches or whatever uh, criteria they use. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I know whoever was next on the list is usually the one who fills that spot. And in front of John Morant was Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns. Now the Phoenix Suns are not very good. They are definitely not as good as the Grizzlies. They're better than they've been in the past. And I do think they should get some credit for that. And Devin Booker is having a remarkable offensive season. So to me, Brandon, I wasn't as outraged by this as others in Memphis were. I kind of expected it, and I also know that John Morant's going to make plenty of all-star games in the future. Uh, At least he should, uh, as long as health is good and sound. So I'm not as concerned about this. I'm really excited for Friday night watching three Memphis Grizzlies play in the Rising Stars Challenge. Uh, But how frustrated are you, or not frustrated at all, with the Devin Booker selection over John Morant to fill that Damian Lillard roster spot? Uh, I'm with you. It didn't come to a surprise to me at all. I mean, yeah, the winning, you'd like to see play a big role, and it likely played a huge role in Chris Paul making the team. But, I mean, Booker's not having a bad season. He's averaging 26.4 points, 4.2 rebounds, 6.3 assists. I mean, he's a lone bright spot in Phoenix who has been a little bit better, but traditionally not great. And to your point, Ja is going to have a whole career of all-star games. Um, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over him missing out on his rookie year. And I kind of like it because, you know, Ja always looks to have a chip on his shoulder and, you know, not making the all-star team despite his production this year just gives him, you know, extra motivation to finish out the year strong and, you know, finalize, you know, making it to the playoffs. What about you, Parker? How do you feel about the Devin Booker, Ja Morant air quote snub? Um, honestly, I'm, I don't really care. Um, like what Brandon had mentioned, he's averaging 26, six and four on a team like the Suns. Yeah. They're 11 games below 500, but they've already surpassed their win totals from each of the past two years. Granted, it's not much to say, but still like they're not the same old terrible Phoenix Suns. They're actually like somewhat decent trending towards mediocrity. And also, too, one thing that I read that Adam Silver typically likes to do is so he looks at that, you know, that weighted average of fan vote, media vote, and player vote, and looks at who's the highest in that category, uh, highest vote getter in that category that didn't make the team. And Devin Booker was one spot ahead of John Morant. So, I mean, that's just the way it shakes sometimes, but I'm not too worried about it. I don't think you should be. Like I said, Jaw's going to be fine, and, and I appreciate you explaining the the overall weighted average. 
Devin Booker's been in the league a while. He's been consistently solid to really, really good offensively. Uh, he makes sense. Uh, I think that the Grizzlies fans should be excited that Ja and Brandon and Jaron will play together on Friday, and then uh, hopefully you know, they can enjoy the festivities a little bit Saturday and Sunday and get a few days of rest before the season picks back up. Brandon, I mentioned in the opener or the beginning introduction for you that you do a great job covering the Memphis Hustle, and uh, this is your first time being on the show this year, as you mentioned. I'm curious as to what your general takeaway, you know, Jason March, who, by the way, friend of GBB Live, Shout out, Coach March. Glad you're back. Uh, Coach March was on the show years ago, um, and, and I'm glad he's back with the Grizzlies organization. He's done a great job with that group. You have four guys that are named to the midseason uh, all-G League team. You see two-way players like Conchar and Watanabe having a lot of success, but you also see guys that are just members of the hustle, eligible for 10-day contracts and that sort of thing, that are also having a lot of success in that system. What are your overall takeaways from, you know, the Grizzlies are having a good season, but in terms of wins and losses at the G League level, the Memphis Hustle are one of the very best in the G League. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been a ton of fun to watch. Um, you know, you talk about Jason March, the Hustle are on their third coach in three years, and I kind of have a gut feeling they'll be on their fourth coach next year because March has done a phenomenal job. Now, whether he gets a assistant gig back in the NBA on another team or even makes an even larger jump after, you know, spending some years on the bench in Sacramento with uh, Jaeger. Um, it's been great. And to your point, they have, you know, four players named to the midseason team um, was awesome. But over the last two weeks with the trade deadline and the injuries picking up a little bit for the Grizzlies, Josh Jackson, Yuta Watanabe, John Concher all get called up. And now you have guys like Ahmad Kaber, Shaq Buchanan, Raleigh Hollis Jefferson stepping up big time and, you know, kind of helping the hustle stay atop the Western Conference standings despite, you know, losing, you know, three of their main contributors. Right. And like Joe said, I just want to give you your props on um, covering the hustle. I mean, there's a lot of times you text us and you bring up a name that, no one's ever heard of, but you're like, yeah, that guy would be a good pickup. And that's what you really illustrated in your last piece. And um, I know the big thing right now is teams are looking for that next Kendrick Nunn or the next Duncan Robinson, as in a guy that they just unearthed from the G League and they end up being a contributor on a really good team. Do you see any of that right now, whether it's on the Memphis Hustle or in the G League in general? Um, on the G League in general, um, you have Mariel Shayok, um, who's on the Delaware Bluecoats with the 76ers. He's on a two-way deal. You have B.J. Johnson with the Magic, uh, Paul Watson with the Raptors. Those three guys are on two-way deals, and I wouldn't be shocked if they're on guaranteed deals next year and, you know, contributing, you know, at least a little bit next year and then key play, key role players in a couple of years. Um you actually have a success story down in Atlanta. Brandon Goodwin, who was actually a Grizzlies front office find from, I guess it was last season, um, he got swooped up pretty quickly from the hustle by the Denver Nuggets on a two-way deal, played pretty great with them, and then ended up in camp on a two-way deal with the Hawks this year. He just got a guaranteed deal over the last week or week and a half. So he's kind of a success story. And, of course, the Hawks have Trey Young at point guard, so Goodwin's not going to, you know, come in and start 
but he's a solid scorer off the bench. Um, I mean, there's a lot of young talent in the G League that is going to get a chance to shine because you have teams like Miami willing to give Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson a chance, even though they're, you know, aspiring to make the playoffs. Um, from a general perspective, with what the Grizzlies need and what's available right now, there's not a perfect fit. Um, a lot of the wings, you know, guys that can play really anywhere between the two and four position are all kind of swiped up on two-way deals or, you know, assignments, stuff like that. But the Grizzlies do have two great guys and Yuta Watanabe and John Conchar. Um, both kind of play the same position, but, you know, have different skill sets. You know, Yuta is probably more of an offensive weapon. John Conchar is more of a you know, low scoring, but does a lot of the dirty work type of player. Um, so you really have somebody in-house, um, which is great. Um, and then, like you mentioned in my article, there's a handful of players that are kind of three-point specialists that, you know, with the last – with the Grizzlies having an open roster spot, they could consider, you know, bringing a guy in, whether it's for a 10-day or, you know, a contract that guarantees them through next through this year and then a team option for next year or – unguaranteed next year um but there, there's plenty of young talent in the g league and I, I think the grizzlies will you know have a chance to show you know what they've got with the hustle we're chatting with brandon abraham senior writer over at grizzlybearblues.com make sure you're following him on twitter at sbn or excuse me at bc abraham if you would please and again you are listening to grizzly bear blues live i am one of your hosts joe monax i'm joined by my co-host associate editor over at GBB, Mr. Parker Fleming. Uh, Brandon, I'm curious. Again, you see a lot of hustle games. Uh, I get a lot of my information on the hustle from you. I've watched a few games, but you're certainly more well-versed than me. Uh, Beyond Yuta and Conchar, who they figure to be in the organization in some way, uh, Yuta is on the last year of his two-way deal, so that means that he'll be either a free agent or they'll bring him in uh, on the actual roster over the summer, something like that, I would imagine. Uh, Conchar, I'm not sure of his contract details. Maybe he has another year on his two-way contract with the Grizzlies, so maybe he'll be back regardless. Um, I'm curious, beyond those two guys who Grizzlies fans are at least somewhat familiar with because they've seen their names on the roster, maybe seen them play some garbage minutes, although Yuta looked pretty good in Washington. He actually played meaningful minutes when I was covering the game for the site against the Wizards in D.C. I like Watanabe. I hope he sticks around. Beyond those two guys, I know you're a big Dusty Hannes fan. There's other guys on that roster. Who makes the most sense in terms of fitting with the Grizzlies long-term, even if it's not necessarily with a roster spot? Maybe, like I said, they sign Watanabe to a multi-year contract over the summer, and then they convert one of these other guys to a two-way deal. It comes down to two players. It's either Dusty Hannes, who... You know, he's short. He's he's played a lot more point guard this year for the Hustle than the first two years, and he's, you know, really developed as a ball handler. You, you don't want him playing point guard in the NBA, at least at this rate. Um, but he can be a, you know, undersized shooting guard who can just shoot the lights off the ball. The way I kind of see it is Dusty can, at the very least, be what Troy Daniels was for the Grizzlies a couple of years ago, where you bring him in off the bench and, you know, he's just a fireball, you know, able to put up points in bunches and – He's really not even just a three-point specialist anymore. He's a three-level scorer, at least in the G League. That would change a little bit with the size in the NBA. Uh, I think Dusty would be a great fit. He's, I mean, he really kind of embodies to me what the G League is about, you know, developing players. He's developed 
over the past three years with the hustle. He's stayed committed to the hustle and the Grizzlies organization. Um, the Grizzlies have always needed shooting. The, you know, the way the NBA is trending, you can never have too much shooting. So even if it's an end-of-bench role, three-point specialist type role, I think Dusty Hannah really has a great shot and deserves a shot to be to get a legitimate chance with this Grizzlies team. Um, and outside of Dusty, you have Jared Udoff. Um, right now, it doesn't fit with the roster, but you know, if, depending on what the Grizzlies decide to do with Gorgie Jang and Jordan Bell this summer, Udoff should be a guy that they at least try to get into camp, um, whether it's on another Exhibit 10 contract or something. But he he, I talked about this in my article. He's almost a poor man's Dirk Nowitzki. He, he's really better on a defensive side of things, obviously at the G League level, but he's just a, a great all-around player. He's averaging 18.7 points, 10.7 rebounds, a little over three assists, and about, you know, two and a half, three blocks and steals per game while shooting above 35% from deep. And he kind of just makes those winning plays you need. Um, that doesn't always show up in the box score, but Udolf's a winner, and he's been in the G League for a handful of years. He'd be an interesting piece to bring in should the Grizzlies have some front court depth open up a little bit. Right, and you've mentioned Udolf, you mentioned Hannah's. Um, do you see a pathway for the two-way guys, Uda and Conchar, to maybe get – a guaranteed deal either this summer or in the middle of next season? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my uh, kind of mental theories that I have in my head, um, depending on what the Grizzlies do with the last open roster spot, obviously on Twitter I've been kind of trying to lead a charge that they should fill that spot with Dusty Hannah's. But kind of going into next year, I'd kind of like what Joe mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they kind of convert you to – expiring two-way contract into a guaranteed deal of sorts with the hustle or with the Grizzlies and then sign Dusty Hannah's to a two-way deal kind of filling in Utah's spot. Um, I think Conchar, I mean, he's been solid when he's played and even before, like even when they had the tr injuries, Conchar actually got minutes off the bench before Utah. Um, I think Utah's kind of earned his stripes and Conchar's been oft injured this season. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they convert one of those two ways into a guaranteed deal and then bring up someone like a Dusty Hannah's or even a, a Shaq Buchanan who's been phenomenal over the past two weeks with the hustle um, and bring someone in on a two-way deal. We're finishing up here with Brandon Abraham. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at BC Abraham. Big fan of the work he does for us over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, really, really strong follow especially for the hustle but overall with the grizzlies he just does tremendous work for us and we're lucky to have him over at the site uh brandon we asked a question on the question of the day and parker and i will give our take on this at the end with connor but i wanted to get your opinion uh thanks to the 300 plus folks that voted in the question of the day poll i essentially asked you know there's 28 games left the grizzlies are 28 and 26 how many wins do you think they get over the course of the rest of the season uh, there were options like, you know, they could win 38 or less. They could win 45 or more. I voted for the option that put them right around 500, like 39 to 41 wins. Uh, 42 to 44 is what actually won the poll. But 87% of the voters thought that they would win anywhere between 39 and 44 games, which I think is a fair wheelhouse bet 
for the Grizzlies, all things considered. Uh, what do you foresee for them in terms of wins uh, g- coming down the stretch, assuming they stay healthy? Because the team that played the Wizards when I covered them in D.C. this past Sunday, the team that beat the Trailblazers the way that they did on Wednesday night, that team looks like a team that's not just going to be a playoff team, even with the tough schedule ahead of them. Ahead of them. Anything too far below 500 would be a surprising finish at this stage, at least to me. I, I'm right there with you. I think the uh, 42 uh, to 44 wins range, um, it's a little high, just considering the Grizzlies have the toughest strength of schedule remaining, according to, I think it's Tankathon. Um I kind of slide between that 39 and 41 win range. Um, a lot of it depends on what they do, because earlier in the year they would kind of play up and down to their competition. They would play up against the good teams, steal some big wins, but then they'd go out and lose a game they should have won. Um, they have a lot of tough games. If they continue to play up to their competition, I think they could get to that 42 to 44 win range. Um, but I, I just think, you know, there's going to be – a bad loss here, there, a, a game where they played, you know, four games in five nights or something like that, where they played a lot, they're tired on a road trip. Uh, so I think they end up between 39, 41 wins. Uh, that, that feels like the safest bet. I hope they do more than that, obviously, but I think with the way the West is shaping up, they can still make the playoffs and be slightly below 500. We'll get you out of here on this, Brandon, and I'll bring Parker back in on this as well. Every year, All-Star Weekend comes and goes, and obviously this year, three Memphis Grizzlies participating in the Rising Stars game. That's going to be the main focus for Memphis, I think, is that contest on Friday night and just getting to soak in the realization that the team has come so far in just a year in terms of young talent and developing these guys into what is already a pretty solid basketball team. Uh, My personal favorite between Rising Stars and the All-Star game on Sunday I've always been a big all-star Saturday night guy, you know, whether it's the skills competition, the three-point shootout, the dunk contest is the main event. I've always been an all-star Saturday night guy. So every year I do predictions on what, who is going to win those events with my guests on the show. So hopefully you guys will humor me and we'll, we'll do this together uh, talking about our predictions for the skills event. Okay. So, or excuse me for all-star Saturday night leading off with the skills event. Um, the participants, in case you missed them, um, Bam Adebayo of Miami, Patrick Beverly of the Clippers, Spencer Didwitty of the Brooklyn Nets, Shai Gilgius Alexander is filling in for Derrick Rose due to injury of Oklahoma City, uh, Chris Middleton of the Bucks, DeMontis Sabonis of the Pacers, Pascal Siakam of the Raptors, and then Jason Tatum of Boston. Those are the eight guys participating in the skills competition on Saturday night. Parker, I'll start with you. Who takes the win? Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam. Any particular reason why, or you just like saying Pascal Siakam? Um, well, um, he is a superb ball handler for his size. He has very long strides, so I think he can finish all the skills uh, stuff quicker. Makes sense. What do you think, Brandon? Uh, I've got Jason Tatum, but I'd, I'd keep an eye on uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander as well. I'm I'm with you. I'm going Shai Gilgis Alexander. He's my pick. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. He's my choice. I do think that'll probably come down to him and a Siakam. I think that's a solid number two. Don't sleep on Bam Adebayo either. Uh, the great article from Zach Lowe that came out over at ESPN.com on Thursday 
a really good read talking about how competitive he is. I think he's a pretty near lock to take it more seriously than anybody else. Uh, he's going to be a competitor. So uh, moving on to the three-point contest, here is part- who is participating. Uh, Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards, Devin Booker, who's filling in for Damian Lillard, the injured Damian Lillard after the game Wednesday night uh, of Phoenix, Devontae Graham of Charlotte, Joe Harris of Brooklyn, Buddy Heald of Sacramento, uh, Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls, Duncan Robinson of Miami, and then Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Parker, who do you got winning the three-point contest? Okay, I promise better analysis here, but I got Duncan Robinson. Um, I saw a stat today where um, Duncan Robinson became the first player in NBA history to make 200 three-pointers in less than 80 games, and he did it in just 69 games. So I think it's a nice little sleeper pick. If you want to put some money on it, I would put it on Duncan Robinson. Interesting. I like the use of stats there. Uh, impressive stuff. What do you say, Brandon? Oh, it's totally my brand to be on the Duncan Robinson train. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he, he shot nearly 44% from beyond the arc this year, and it's not on low volume. He's got over 400 attempts. Um, for the sake of not repeating Parker, though, I'm going to go Trey Young as a dark horse. I think, you know, he's young. He'll take it seriously kind of like Duncan will um and I mean looking back at his Oklahoma days and you know over the past year and a half when Trey gets going everything falls so I think Trey is going to be a finalist I like that I think those are two good options I like both of those choices I'm going to go Zach Levine because it's the hometown guy I think he's going to be amped excited uh kind of taking on that pseudo host of the festivities since it's his hometown crew in Chicago I'm going to go Levine and say that he wins the three-point contest but especially Duncan Robinson if Duncan Robinson wins uh it, it won't be surprising at all that guy is electric from beyond the arc and that leads us to the final event of the evening supposed to be the main event but with John Morant not doing it, it's not nearly as fun as it could have been. Uh, the all-star uh, dunk contest. Pat Connaughton of the Milwaukee Bucks, Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic, Dwight Howard of the Los Angeles Lakers, which will be interesting to see, and then Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. I think there's a pretty clear favorite in this, but I'm curious as to your guys' take. What do you think, Parker? Um, Honestly, like I can see it being Aaron Gordon. But also, I don't want to sleep on Pat Connaughton. And for one, I've I remember I think when he came out of the draft, he had like a forty-four inch vertical. But also, too, he has the advantage over the other guys in the fact that he hasn't been in a dunk contest, so nobody's ever seen him like show out in this kind of setting. So I'm going to go against the wave, and I'm going to go with uh, Pat Connaughton. All right, fair enough. What do you think, Brandon? My head says Aaron Gordon. I mean, I just think he has the most athletic ability. We saw what him and Levine did a couple of years ago. I, I think he's kind of the clear favorite. But my heart would love to see Dwight Howard kind of on his, you know, reviving his career this year. Um, it would be awesome to see him kind of, you know, throw down some awesome dunks. Um, so that that's what my heart's rooting for. I'm just not going to get my hopes up because he is older and not as athletic. And I do kind of like Parker's point with uh, Pat Connaughton. I mean, short, you know, Milwaukee, so not everyone really knows him. So I think you kind of get the surprise factor of, you know, him having some bunnies that you don't really expect. Um, But, yeah, I'd probably say Aaron Gordon's got to be the clear favorite to win it. 
Fair enough. I think that's a fair point. I'm going to go Aaron Gordon, but I also think that we need to pay some respect to former Grizzlies legend Dwight Howard and just really kind of appreciate, you know, what he's going to be for for the dunk contest. That'll be fun to see. It's Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's the favorite, uh, in my opinion. We'll get you out of here on this, Parker and Brandon. Uh, going out of this segment, at least, we'll get you out of here, Brandon. Uh, who do you see being the all-star of the Rising Stars Challenge game? <laughs> There's a correct answer. Uh, it's got to be Ja. I mean, that's kind of – I think Ja just does so much. He's, I think he's going to be the star of the Rising Stars Challenge. I'm curious to see how much Zion will actually play in the game, which kind of leads me to think that Ja is just going to be a electric all night long. Parker, you're leaning towards Jaw as well, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, there was one question I was really dying to ask Jaw last night, but between like his game and then doing the goggles and just leading in the all-star break, he was a very busy man getting asked a lot of questions. You know, Jay Will, he did his uh elbow pass about twenty years ago. I wonder if he's gonna pull something out like that. But also too, I'm super excited to see the connection if of him and Zion since they were AAU teammates. Um, they're both two of the most electrifying athletes in basketball right now. I mean, it's one of those games you got to tune in and don't even just tune in. You got to record it so you can just watch it at a random afternoon. You got nothing to do. GBB is going to have coverage of it. Make sure you're following us at SBN Grizzlies. I'll have a preview of the game up Friday morning for grizzlybearblues.com. Brandon Abraham, thank you so much, sir. As always, we appreciate you. We'll have you back on down the road. Uh, thank you all for having me. All right, guys. When we come back, we will have Connor Dunning on the show talking about the fits of the new guys going into the postseason push. You don't want to miss that. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Mr. Parker Fleming, the associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. And this segment, to close out this week's show, the pre-All-Star break edition of the podcast, we're excited to welcome on the producer and on-air gentleman from Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. He is a social media and marketing admin at 92.9 ESPN, as well as all the other radio stations over there. Connor Dunning does a remarkable job at C. Dunning 92.9. Connor, happy to have you back on the podcast, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That I, Joe, I got to give you credit. That may be the best introduction I've ever gotten. I've been doing this like for a while. Years. I've that been was, doing this for a while. Great. <laughs> I've been around the block a time or two. Uh, well, I, I, I need appreciate you to just follow me around and introduce me. <laughs> that and entrance music, and and you'd be set yes, and good absolutely. to go. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Connor. And I'm excited to get your take on this. Uh, in the first segment we had on Brandon Abraham, I know you know Brandon pretty well, and and we talked to him a little bit about the the Grizzlies and their roster opening. He wrote a great article for grizzlybearblues.com talking about that, in fact. Uh, but I want to take a different angle with you and, and kind of look at the guys already here, if that makes sense. Because okay. obviously the two main pieces in play now are Justice Winslow and Gorgie Dang. Uh, Gorgie made his debut for Memphis in the victory over Portland. Did a remarkable job, uh, about as well as you could expect him to do, considering it was his first meaningful minutes with the Grizzlies. Uh, he's the fourth big. It looks like he's embraced that so far. He's fit relatively well. He's been there 
less than a week or I guess exactly a week now. So there's still a lot of time for things to kind of grow and develop. But I'm curious, as you look at the Grizzlies roster, you know, whether it's Yang, whether it's Justice Winslow, of course, he figures to make the largest impact. Or maybe even it's a Jordan Bell. Our Sean Coleman did a good job breaking down the game of Jordan Bell, who, at least for the moment, seems to be on the outside looking in of the rotation. When you look at those three guys and you see the playoff push that's coming for the Grizzlies, the hellacious schedule they're about to tackle once they come back from the All-Star break, how do you see the the roster, the rotation kind of shaking out? Uh, again, obviously, I think Winslow's the easiest one to kind of take into account. He's probably going to start in place of Kyle Anderson probably going to get a decent amount of minutes but how do you see the rest of the rotation playing out with these new additions coming into the fold so I I think last night was actually a really good kind of test to see how Jenkins is kind of planning on using these guys because we already saw that it changed how he used Brandon Clark in his rotation and I'm not sure if the results of that was just Brandon Clark had a phenomenal game last night which is probably the actual case but um, it really I, – I liked how the offense seemed to really flow. It seemed like that you never had kind of a ball stopper in the game, and that's one good thing about the Grizzlies is that with this offense and, and the way that they have it set up, and when you have guys like Kyle Anderson getting more minutes with the uh, subtraction of Solo and Jay Crowder, you have more ball movement on the court. You have more playmakers. So last night we really saw Kyle Anderson kind of slide in to that Jay Crowder role but in a way, he's playing an efficient Jay Crowder role, which is great. I mean, he shoots not very well, but Jay Crowder also didn't shoot too well when he was in Memphis either. But he's that calming presence on the court. You saw multiple times last night that on fast breaks, like Melton would get on a fast break or Ja would get on a fast break or something like that, and they saw the play breaking down. They would look for Kyle Anderson, give him the ball, let him reset at the top of the key, and then Ja would take it over from there. So I'm really excited to see how Gorgie Jang – works with Kyle Anderson as well because defensively, Gorgie Jang is already making the impact. We saw it last night because we know that the Grizzlies' biggest flaw, I guess we could call it, or one of their biggest flaws, is the rebounding. And Gorgie Jang came in last night and immediately made an impact on the glass. He made an impact in the paint. And very, very similar to the way that Joakim Noah came in last year, I feel like the FedEx Forum and Grizzlies fans absolutely fell head over heels in love with them after those first uh, after that first three fell. It was it was love at first sight. Um, Jordan Bell is – I'm not really sure how they're going to use him. I'm going to be curious to see how Jenkins tries to move him into the rotation because it seems like he really likes his big man rotation right now. And I think Jordan Bell may be one of those guys where if the offense is looking kind of stagnant or Jenkins needs to kind of inject some energy into the game, he may throw Bell in for a couple possessions and see what he can do. He can kind of be the Grizzlies' agent of chaos off the bench, if you will, because – uh, I already know that he's like the the new hype man of the team. So that's that's going to be his main role. He's going to be kind of a spark plug off, off the bench when you need him, I think. He's going to come in and get some rebounds when you need him to. I think he'll be more of a defensive weapon and probably a, like a guy that will uh, run to the rim and jock and lob to. I think that's kind of how they're going to use him. Um, with Justice Winslow, he's he's the main piece. I mean, he's the guy that's going to be brought in, and he's hopefully going to be your three for years to come. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to use him as much this year because let's say that the Grizzlies are kind of in a groove here, even with this brutal schedule coming up. Do you try to insert Justice Winslow into Kyle Anderson's minutes immediately? I don't think so. I think you kind of bring him in similar to the way that they've been using Josh Jackson. Just kind of each game slowly give him a little bit more minutes. And unfortunately, 
uh, it looks like to me that Josh Jackson and Justice Winslow are going to be kind of the guys jockeying for minutes whenever he gets healthy. And that's why this offseason, Joe, you've talked about it when you came on uh, Giannotto and Jeffrey, they're going to have to make a decision this offseason about what they want to do. And I think all three of us here agree we really like Josh Jackson. I think he's showing flashes. He was very active last night. It was great seeing him a part of the team, playing winning basketball, being upbeat, looking like he's actually having fun. But there's this guy named DeAnthony Melton. And I think at the end of the day, the Grizzlies are going to go with DeAnthony Melton over Josh Jackson, and Justice Winslow will slide in, take most of those minutes. You'll see Kyle Anderson kind of bump down, I think, next season, and then they'll roll with that. So it's one of those where it's – the writing's kind of on the wall for a few of the guys in the rotation right now with Justice Winslow being hurt. But at the same time, they're still making a very good impact right now because, I mean, Parker, I Parker tweeted out last night, it Justin ja- or Josh Jackson was everywhere, and it was great to see. Gorgie Jang was everywhere, and it was great to see. And But I'm really excited to see Kyle Anderson get more minutes because I think, are we, are, is it 8-1 and one with that with him or 9-1 or and one when he starts? 8-1 th- or 9-1, and one? which one is I it? I think it's 8-1. and one. But either way, the, the fact holds that it, it's impressive. I'm with you, Connor, in terms of the depth that all of this provides. And it's going to be interesting, especially as the summer approaches, you know, and I'll write more about this and talk more about this as we approach the postseason and offseason. The depth of the Grizzlies is really impressive, and I think that it's given Memphis the opportunity to put themselves in a place that if they want to go out and get a Buddy Heald or even a Bradley Beal this summer, they have the capacity to pair you know, a Gorgie Dang and Kyle Anderson contract with a couple of first-round picks and go make that trade happen right. and not lose their depth. They could bring back a Josh Jackson, or they could do something along those lines. It just gives them more flexibility, which is all the more reason to – respect the job that Zach Kleiman has done. I'm curious, to me, Connor, I see the acquisition of Bell especially, but to a lesser extent, Yang, as a move for this season. Because before those two guys were brought in, you're looking at a reality where if Jonas Valanciunas got hurt or if Jaron Jackson Jr. got hurt or Brandon Clark got hurt, you could easily see Kyle Anderson and players like that playing the five position, which would not have ended well. Uh, It's not like this is the Houston Rockets. They're not quite to that level of spacing just yet. (laughs) Uh, That would negatively impact the roster. Dang, again, to a lesser extent, I think Gorgie's going to be in the rotation regardless, but especially Bell. If something, goodness forbid, God forbid, happens to Valanchunas or Jackson Jr. or Clark, Bell, to me, is almost like an insurance policy because he fits what Memphis would need from that next man in more than Caboclo would, whereas Bruno fits perfectly with what the Rockets are trying to do. No, I I actually – I absolutely agree with that. Uh, We had Eric on today, and he kind of talked about that as well. Um, When they traded for Jang, I I mean, to me, I was like, oh, that's the perfect backup bit. Like, that that shores up their rotation this year. And that's why this, the trade deadline, I was so excited about some of the moves that they made for the trade deadline because some of our biggest fears have been, are they going to make moves to try to make the playoffs? Is that, is that all they're going to do? And luckily, it looked like that they didn't. However, in making moves for the future, they were able to give themselves some insurance and bring in players that can help them win right now. It was almost the best of both worlds kind of things for, thing for the Grizzlies at the deadline. And I'm totally with you for the Jordan Belby and an insurance policy because before we brought those two guys in, we were pretty thin right there. I mean, we saw a team last night in the Portland Trailblazers. We saw what can happen to you if you have no front court depth. Like, it, it was brutal watching Caleb Swanigan try to, try to play defense against Jonas Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, all the credit in the world to him. He was hustling, but, man, 
it was rough to see. And, and like you said, if JV went down and the best option we had was Bruno, you could kiss the playoffs bye-bye. So I absolutely agree with you. Jang, his contract gives him some flexibility this summer because, as John Hollinger said, he's in the contract that you can move if you need to because he isn't expiring. Uh, I also think that Kyle Anderson is kind of an insurance policy as well at that big man position because we've seen Jenkins throw him in there every once in a while. And I am a fan of Kyle Anderson at the four. I like having a playmaker there as well. But uh, it's the, off- the, the, the trade deadline acquisitions as a whole, I think that the Grizzlies front office deserves so much credit because they were, they're thinking five years ahead. They're thinking months ahead of time. They're not thinking just two months from now. But in doing that, they were able to, to still help the team right now. And what I've been super happy to see, and, it, and I kind of want your input on this as well, I'm not sure why every single player that is coming to Memphis is automatically almost in this brotherhood, but I absolutely love it. I have a theory that it is kind of their age, and they're all kind of in this together, and all they want to do is win and, and play their asses off, and they're fully bought into Jenkins. It really looks like they respect him. It, it's like it, – it's so odd to me. It's almost like what we thought was going to happen with the Memphis Tigers this year is happening with the Memphis Grizzlies. No, yeah, Connor, I I agree with you. Um, I'm in the locker room almost every game, and you can just see, like, the camaraderie within the team, and it's not even just, like – just Jaron and Ja, like you see, like the Anthony cutting up with them. You see people cutting up with Brandon. You see people cutting up with Dylan. Like it's all fifteen are like bought into each other, and it's just really cool to see. I think a lot of it is a reflection of the leadership. I think though you did lose Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, two veteran guys that played a big role into mentoring these young guys. This team reflects the personalities of Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. to where they're just a a fun, energetic bunch that, like you said, they just want to come out and win ball games and they want to play their games. Whether that's, you know, just like unnecessarily whipping the ball between your legs like Ja Morant does, and then doing the goggles every time he throws a delicious dime, or it's Jaron Jackson putting up thirty footers as a heat check, um, or Dylan Brooks just doing Dylan Brooks things. I mean, this is just a team that they play with a lot of youthful energy. And I think you said, Eric said something similar to this is it's almost like a college team. And it's honestly yeah. just super cool to see. Very much. It's very much like a college team and it, and they play loose like a college team and they just want to have fun. And it's, I mean, they lie unnecessarily sometimes, but I love it. Keep doing it. Like, because it, it not every time one of those Clark, alley-oops happens you're not only getting the crowd hype but you're kind of demoralizing the other team you could see the trailblazers last night just being like this guy again like really how is he dunking everything like he dunks every single time he touches the basketball i'm so in love with brandon clark i mean we've told the story about us in the bluff when we drafted him man it that was one of the most joyous moments in my grids fandom ever It, it is an absolute Steal. I, I think that it's pretty easy to say now that he is he is the steal of, of the 2019 draft. But um, kind of back to one thing that Joe was saying is that the depth of this team is so exciting because I was talking to Parker about it today, texting back and forth, getting ready uh, for this podcast appearance, and I was talking to him about this is one of the very few Grizzlies teams, and it may, may be the only one. I'd have to go back and look at rosters where there's not even one guy that goes into the game and I'm like, oh man, this guy, like every single team 
that we've had has Connor. seemed to have that Connor. one guy. That there's not, it down. there's not there's one not guy. One. There's not one guy. There's not one guy. Doesn't it start with it, an M and end with an Arco Guterich? <laughs> oh no, I like I don't mind Marco. Oh, he's, okay. he's fun. He tries, but it's but the thing is, he's not really in the rotation. Like I mean, like rotation guys. Like last okay. year we had Shelvin back. Enough. A couple of years we've had like Andrew Harrison. Like we've had guys that are like guys that you just you don't trust. You don't trust them when they're on the court. You don't trust them when they have the ball in their hands. But when the second unit comes in. My trust level does not change. I, I feel safe in the hands of Tyus Jones running the point guard position. I feel safe in the hands of Kyle Anderson when he has the ball. I absolutely feel safe in the hands of DeAnthony Melton, just the ultimate glue guy and probably my favorite player on this team. I'm so in love with him. But it's, it's this depth of the team is what makes them so lethal. It's, it's, yes, we have the potential superstars, the future superstars, and John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., and you have Jonas's consistency. But it's the depth of this team that makes them so lethal. It, they're scoring from all facets. Their, their offense is dynamic. Their defense is dynamic. You can never take a playoff. Because, and you can never take a night off against the Grizzlies. Every single night, it seems like a new guy for the Grizzlies is winning them a game. If Jaw's not having a good game, someone steps up. If Jaron's not having a good game, someone steps up. If Dylan's not having a good game, someone steps up. It's every single night. You can go back and look at the schedule. Every night, there's almost a new leading scorer. Every night, there's almost a new leading rebounder. It's 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 pretty remarkable to see how dynamic this team actually is with their offense. It is pretty fun. I, I agree with you on that. We're finishing up here with Connor Dunning. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at C Dunning, D-U-N-N-I-N-G, 929 on Twitter. Does a great job over at 92.9 FM ESPN. Memphis is the producer and on-air talent alongside Mark Giannato of the Commercial Appeal and Jeffrey Wright, of course, of 92.9. I've been on that show a good bit. I'm a big fan of their work, of course, a big fan of Connor as well. Make sure you're checking him out on Twitter and checking out the Giannato and Jeffrey show on 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. Again, we'll get you out of here on this, Connor. Uh, Every time we do a podcast, we have a question of the day. The question of the day this time around, and thanks to the over 300 folks who voted, Memphis is 28-26 and on the season with 28 games to go. Considering the schedule, which has been talked about here, there, and everywhere, is extremely difficult, and we'll break that down more in depth on next week's show. And assuming good health, because if you're going to assume that everybody else is going to stay healthy, then you should assume the Grizzlies will too. Uh, How many wins will they finish with? The four options were 38 or less, which would mean they win 10 uh, they would go 10 and 14 or worse over these last, or excuse me, 10 and 18 over these last 28 games. Uh, 39 to 41, which would put them right in line around 500. 42 to 44, same concept, right around 500, except on the pro side. So maybe 14, 15, or 16 wins. And then 45 or more. I think anybody that voted 45 or more is high. And while I don't enjoy doing drugs, I am interested in what they're taking. Uh, because hey, that they seems, want to party, call me. seems a little bit stretchful uh, or of a stretch to go <laughs> 17 and 11 uh, with the schedule they have coming up. I personally voted for 39 and 41, and I'm going to go on the high end of that. I think they're going to go 13 and 15 over their last 28 games, and that would put them right at a 41 and 41 record, which again would be a massive success. Everybody had them at 28, 29, 30 wins. Some people had them at less than that, and it wasn't crazy to say that. You know, anything in the 20s seem pretty realistic the fact that we're talking about the low 40s is a win in and of itself and I still think that gets them into the playoffs uh Connor I'll, I'll start with you where, where do you see them falling do you see them getting to around that 40 win mark a little more a little less 
Yeah, I'm. I voted for the 39 to 41 in the poll. Uh, just, I mean, just, just exactly what you said. I think that uh, the schedule coming up is very difficult, but I think that this team is good enough to be able to make it through. I also think that 40 wins does get you into the playoffs. Honestly, watching Dame and CJ operate with that team last night made me feel a little bit better better about the Trailblazers trying to catch us because, man, outside of those two guys, it's rough. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries, but it's pretty rough. So I'm still a little worried about the Spurs and the Pelicans. You can never count the or the Spurs out, and the Pelicans are looking pretty damn good right now. But I, I'm with you. I think 39 to 41 is is where it's going to be, and I. Man, I still think that we're going to make the playoffs. I mean, I'm an optimist, and I'm going to stick with it. I think that they can they can hold on to that 18. The Pelicans would have to go something like 17 and nine over their last game. Yeah, something it like was, that. They would have to go crazy. It was that's why that win last night is such a big deal. Because I also saw I think that the Trailblazers have to go like 18 and 10 or something like right. that over the next couple to, to make it in, uh, or, to, or maybe to make it to 500 or something. I'm not sure, but. All I know is that Blazers' Twitter last night was burning down, so that's got to be a good sign for us. <laughs> uh, uh, Parker, we'll we'll do the same thing with you. Where do you have them landing? Again, the leading vote getter was forty-two to forty-four wins, which, to be honest with you, I kind of expected with the Grizzlies fan base being optimistic at this point, and I- I'm I'm not done being pessimistic. I'm still going to be me and be realistic. <laughs> I'm going to be realistic, uh, and I think Connor and I are on the same page. Uh, the most I could see is the forty-four. Uh, in my opinion. And again, I think that's right. a little high, but I think you could logically argue for that. Where do you fall? What do you think their final record will be when all said and done, assuming that they're able to stay healthy? Um, assuming health, I'm going to have 41 and 41 dead on um, because I know there's a lot of concerns about their schedules, but I mean, I saw their, at least their March, they only had like three schedule losses, which was a rote, Road games against the Jazz, the Bucks, and the Raptors. Like those are games where it's like, if you lose that one, okay, that's kind of expected. And one thing I've noticed with this Grizzlies team is they lose the games that they should, and they very rarely have a loss where it's like, okay, like that's a bad loss. Like for example, if they would have lost to the Knicks a few weeks ago, that would have been a bad loss. Right. They beat the teams they need to beat. And they hang in there with the quote-unquote superior teams. And I think they're going to continue doing this. And one thing I just don't want to discount at all is, and it's similar to like what the Clippers did last year, is just addition by subtract, addition by subtraction. As in the Grizzlies, they lost Jay Crowder, they lost Solomon Hill. But you're putting in Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup, and they're 8-1 and one with him in the starting lineup. And you're also giving Solomon Hill's minutes to Josh Jackson, who, though he's not as great of a shooter, he's far more superior athletically as a playmaker, as a rebounder, and as a defender. So I just think the upside's higher with what this team's at right now. I mean, and I'm just trending more towards that 41-41 because I don't, like like what you said, I just don't want to get in over my head. If this team goes 41 and 41, it's a resounding success. It's a home run. It's a home run if they go 41 and 41. It's already a home run. I was I was just about to say, the season's already a home run. They broke the over before the All-Star break. That's a home run in, in a lot of people's books, especially if you're a gambler. Connor Dunning, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, appreciate your time and continue the good work over at 92.9. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And I'm sure... 
Joe, you'll be on a I'll be on a show soon. And just thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, keep up the great work, guys. I love oh. everything that y'all do. Well, appreciate that. And you know me, I, I'm 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 a big fan of 92.9. You guys have been great to us, so I'm happy to help wherever yeah. you need me. For Connor, for Brandon, from our first segment, for my great co-host Parker Fleming, associate editor over at GBB. I am your host, Joe Mullinex, site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, and I want you to enjoy the All-Star game, okay? The Devin Booker thing that we let, like, we let off on in the, in, the pre, in the first segment of the show. Be annoyed by it, but understand John Moran's going to make plenty of All-Star games as long as he stays healthy, and this team is fun. And, and enjoy watching Friday night, uh, the Rising Stars game, when the team with the best combination of present and future in the National Basketball Association, the Memphis Grizzlies, takes the floor. No bad long-term contracts. No max deals on the books right now. Good vibes and a playoff run. That's what you need to focus on and really enjoy as you catch your breath and get ready for the playoff stretch. For Connor, for Parker, for Brandon, I am Joe Mullinax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. Until next time, this is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. the right tools for success. A painter needs their perfect brushes, and a climber needs to be able to rely on their harness. And for your work, you need to stay connected. With Slack, teams can help you work better. Slack is a productivity platform that connects all your team members together instantly. It's built to help your team with a host of features like huddles for quick check-ins and clips for recording and sharing video. Slack also makes it easy to search and find the right information you need. You can even integrate the apps you use in your normal workflow, like your calendar or product management tools, so you stay focused on the work that matters and get more done. Learn more at slack.com slash productivity.